0: Alrighty, Creekcast podcast back. David here, as per usual, for the shitter sport Adelaide podcast on the internet. Uh, thank you for joining me as always. I really appreciate the listens and the uh, and the and the feedback. Um, recently, uh, it's good to hear that people enjoy uh, what I do, but more importantly, they kind of I got one message last week in particular that kind of just complimented how I handled um, the um you know somewhat uncomfortable discourse with what's gone on. Um, with the club at the moment, but you know, and it's, and it's, there's a lot of stuff going on, and, uh, and, um, yeah, that's not going I'm gonna, not gonna get into that too much on the, in this review of the, uh, of the game on the weekend, um, in where it's relevant to the game, I will, but I'll leave that for, I'm gonna talk about, um, more about, you know, kind of that stuff on another podcast I'll release today as well, um, but I wanna keep that separate, you know, the actual getting into the weeds of that, because if people don't wanna listen to it, you know, you're more than welcome to support the club in whatever way you like um, in that sense. And, you know, some people just, they'll keep an eye on it, but they don't want to listen to, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour of it, you know, just on that. So I'll do that in a separate one. We'll leave this to the review of the game. Whatever issues and, and thoughts about the coaching and, and the direction of the club that are pertinent to the game, because there is a, a storyline within uh, within the context of the response, that is relevant. And I'll certainly talk about that. And it's and it's good, you know, it's positive stuff. So that that will come up. Um but apart from that, anything more to do with some of the former players' comments, um, both you know, obviously Trederay's as well. But you know, you got the Corns and, and those guys out there doing, saying what they're saying as well, and the wider media. Um, there's a lot going on, so that'll be in a separate episode that you'll find on the feed as well. So um, if you want to get around that, get around that. If you just want to listen to um, the review of a of what turned out to be a wonderful, memorable uh, win. Um, yeah, scrappy. It was certainly scrappy, but. Um, I think the most important thing really to start off before we get into the bits and pieces of it is it's is the, is it's the response we want. And this is the context of, of some of the stuff that happened last week. Um, you know, I said my piece and I certainly agree with a lot of what was going on last week as far as direction and, and some of the discontent that some people feel and disconnect. But um, if the club wants us, if the people, the, you know, stakeholders at the club, whether it be board members, Kosh... Uh, right down to the coaches, you know, Carr came out and uh, defending um, Ken last week, and, and as, as is his right to do. You know, everyone's entitled to an opinion, um, as long as they can back it up, and, and you know, that's probably the question from fans. is like, well, we want to see you back it up. Ollie Wines, Ryan Burton, all the ones that appeared in, in the media last week were um, defending Ken, and, and and again, as is their right to do. But then us as fans, we want to see a response. We want to say, okay, if you're backing Ken and, and all this going on, um, we need to see some sign of what the reasons that you believe in. And, and you know, to be fair, it was scrappy. Um, Sydney, probably on the balance of pure play, deserved the result in the sense that they were overall. The, they had the control The control of the game was Sydney's, but it was a scrappy game. So when you're controlling a scrappy game, anything can happen. And, and certainly the heart and desire that was we thought was missing, um, you know, there was just a real heart and desire evident in the play. You know, an energy um, and a desire to be in the contest, part of the contest, not shirk from the contest or anything like that. Um, Not not something that wasn't just really visually evident, um, certainly when Collingwood got their run on against us. And then um, towards the end of that unfortunate showdown loss, um, it just wasn't there, you know, whether it was in their heads that they thought they were, but it just, you know, you actually need to. Take what's um, mentally there and 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 physically exert it on the field. That's the whole point. You know, that's what wins your football games and and gets you success in across an AFL season is being able to take what you know and learn and all the learnings, as we like to say, um, from a training track and and video and whatever else you're doing, and take it and 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 put it put it to put it to practice on the football field. And we just hadn't seen that, but we saw that um, despite being scrappy, and despite you know the structure and the game plan not being. Um, you know, overall, impressive. It wasn't. You know, there was there was some things going on that I, I did like, and we'll get into that. But overall, it needed to control the game. They controlled the control to play. Um, but being the smaller ground it is, um, and if you can bring it down into a bit of a scrappy game with the size of the ground it is, and and try to muddy it up a little bit, there is there is ways to be successful there. And, and you and you saw that whatever we were missing and lacking in the game plan and the structure and all that stuff, we were we took it to them. You know, the, the contested ball was a massive sticking point of the last couple of weeks Um, you know Collingwood is a record discrepancy Um, minus 57 I think it was from I've already I'm not looking at my notes I've already forgotten the exact number but I had it in the podcast last week it was minus 55 or minus 57 or something like that Um, a record I think since the the stat was officially started counting back in the early 2000s Um, and again again against the Crows it was you know obviously not as bad as the Collingwood one but still minus 22 which is just you know you just don't want to see in a showdown especially in one that you are you are the favourite You should be, if you're losing a showdown, you should be, you know, just shouldn't be losing by the fight, you know, the comfortable demolition they did in the last quarter as well as losing the contestable the way we did. Um, But then in this game, I tweeted after the game that we were plus 11 and I thought I saw that on the ticker on Foxball. It was like almost 6am here. I was watching, but it's plus nine was what was on the official um, AFL website. It was one forty-eight contested possession uh, contested possessions for us versus one thirty-nine, so plus nine, not like a massive discrepancy, but it's a it's a sign that we you know compared to where we where we've been uh, at a combined minus seventy-seven in the past couple of weeks to get up to plus nine um, is a is a response, Um, and you can certainly see it in the tackling. Um, the chase and just some of the um, you know in the, even in that first quarter which was pretty that first quarter was pretty piss poor and I was pretty I was pretty livid at the end of that one and, I didn't, and you know that wasn't the response we were looking for um, but you know there was you know Horn Francis was bust, trying to bust out of a few tackles and, and he did get out of them you know it was one of those ones where if he you know they wrapped him up tackle he's probably holding the ball but he was able to fend off and, and use some of that strength which is a good early sign of his career you know as he develops his overall game um, that he does have that kind of ability to do that kind of stuff, which is you know why he gets those comparisons to you know whether it be the Danger Fields and stuff like that, it's just that tough, bustling inside, and and ability to win the ball and and get the ball out and move it on. Um, but yeah, there was it was just that kind of stuff was happening, and then obviously as as the game goes on and we get ourselves into it, then um, we start being able to turn it around and 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 turn some of that you know tough, gritty, scrappy stuff we were, we were able to do. Up there into um, a result in in a couple of runs of goals, which ultimately wins us the game. So, yeah, it was a response, and that's what we wanted to see. You know, this whole discourse and everything over the last uh, the last week and a half now um, has been rough to watch, and and it's not fun as a fan. And uh, you know, we don't want to have to be there, but that's where we are, and that's that's part of supporting a football club or any club around the world is. Um, it's not always going to be sunshine and daisies and there is going to be times like this and unfortunately you know you hope it never gets to this level of um, former players uh, battling in the media and stuff like that but um, if it's going to happen and the club wants to say that no we're happy with where we're at or relatively so then they need to have a response and then we saw that we saw players that um, you know whether or not the the the, the game plans there they, they have a trust in in they they have there's a passion there to, to play for the coach i guess and and that's i guess whether the personal opinion of of each individual player um you know whether they're how hard they go for the coach and and how much they support him who knows but as a group it it seems to be still there that there's a belief that he is the one so and if if they're going to tell us that and run that party line then we need to see a response and that's that's the first sign of it but um yeah, it's it's you know you could say it's an emotional response whatever. It it was a response. It was a win. Um I'll get into you know the fact that it was a lucky factor to it later later on but uh, just as far as effort goes and being in the game um with a shot to win and then ultimately win in the last minute is at le- the very least of what you you know you always hope to win comfortably but you can if you're in the game against the you know the Sydney side I guess we're still trying to figure out whether exactly they're at because they started well, but you know then, they got uh, pretty handily beaten by Melbourne and then they've lost to us. Too. But they were in the grand final last year. They're a good team at the moment. So we have to take that for what it is. Um, a scrappy win against a good team is always, you know, you're never going to turn it down. So, you know, you'd love it to be more stylish and, and you know, runs of goals and some great p- passages of play. Um, sometimes you have to, you know, yeah, sometimes you have to win ugly as well. Happens in all sports. There's there's teams around the world, you know, I know I can't remember if there was a I can't remember which team. I know there was a team that won, you know, a Premier League title back in it might have been Arsenal, I can't remember which title of theirs, but there was if you go through their, their wins there was a lot of one one nils and stuff like that. And it's just they were just able to get the wins and um however you get there, um if you ultimately get there then it's that's you remember that rather than how it was done. So, you know, and the grand scheme of things, if we go on and actually have a decent season, Um, It's wins like this that, you know, you build the back off of, you know, you can win some stylishly as we did against Brisbane in week one. Sometimes you just have to win scrappy and, you know, Sydney and Sydney sometimes just like that with the smaller ground and and depending on how they're playing and and where you're at as well. So, anyway, let's take a quick break and we'll get into some of the more details of how the game went. Now, I've mentioned it already, but we were, it was a scrappy win and that is by no means taking away from what Port Adelaide did. Um, As I said, you've got to win them scrappy sometimes, but we do need to talk about how how it came about. And it was, you know, it was a pretty piss-poor first quarter. And um, overall, you know, Sydney smashed us in the inside 50s and and the overall control of the game. You know, inside 50s kind of do give you an idea of how the control of the game went because... To get to gain inside fifties and especially a great advantage in the inside fifties, mean you have to have a pretty good run in the midfield and all that kind of stuff. You transition from defence, etc., etc. You know, to and the, the, I think the, the discrepancy was um, um you know, well Sydney I was about to say minus twenty two, but Sydney were plus twenty two on us in the inside fifties. Um, that is a big, big difference. Um, you rarely, rarely win games when you're letting another team, um, you know, this particular team that has a four, you know, some of the forward threats that Sydney have. Um, get that much possession uh, you know get that much uh, territory inside 50. Um, so you know that's point one of our you know lucky win yeah, especially you know Sydney's overall structure and the way they move the ball um, particularly in that first quarter and, and early in the second quarter was uh, really you know I felt like they were they were threatening to take the game away a little bit there. Um, you know we were getting we' were getting down there, you know we kicked zero goals five before I think we kicked their first goal so you know it's missed opportunities there for us as well. Um, but overall, and but part of it was Sydney were, uh, you know, they're you know, it was four goals five to zero goals five for one point, so they still had the, the advantage in the scoring shots, and, and as you know, as much out to you know a little bit of scrappiness and defense, and and just you know we kind of held them at bay, but they were threatening, you know, a couple more goals there without us getting our first one, and it might have gotten a little little out of hand and and gotten to the point of you know this is a bridge too far. Um, but you know we we held on. But that is the thing. Sydney were transitioning out of defence well, and stri- the, the way they you know when they get the ball moving, um, they were able to get through us a little bit too easily in that first quarter and a half. Um, you know they find the tight and they just moved it quick. And then suddenly they've got a spread that they've got a forward fifty that's fairly open, and they're able to. And they kind of have a you know they lead out into the lead out into the angles and get it to Papley or um, whoever else down there. Um, just on a, on a lead comfortably, and they have a. The, you can see a specific plan there, um, and it was and it was being executed. I know people would say, "Well, that's what we have too," but you know we rarely see it executed. And the, the kicks are too shallow, and, and we move it too slowly, and it gets congested down there before we can get down there or whatever. But um, you know, there was there was a plan there, and it was and we were scrappy, and we were bad, and the disposal efficiency was horrible for us, um, especially early. I know I have I know it ended so. It, in the, at the end of the game, it was sixty-six point seven efficiency for us versus seventy-one point seven, so a plus five percent advantage for Sydney. Um, but early on, I remember—I can't remember the exact number—I've just got fifty percent in my notes because I remember at one point in the first quarter. They put up the stats of the, the both teams' disposal efficiency, and we were at fifty percent. We we're basically every every second kick we were butchering or whatever. You know, it was um it was a rough start. It was really rough, but we, we recovered and, and made it work. But you know what's interesting is um the inside fifty um and this, this is funny because Port have had games across the years, plenty of them in which we've uh you know had the inside fifty advantage and, and lost. And so this so it's it's fun to be on the the opposite side of this for once. Um. Inside fifty, we were operating at almost fifty percent, uh, forty eight point nine, and rest of Sydney at forty point three. So, it's it's where the game was won and lost um, was right there. And then, you know, for us, it's really actually great considering the, the the focus on our defensive struggles in the last couple of weeks with what was it thirty nine goals between um, Adelaide and Collingwood that they scored us on us in two weeks. So, you know, almost twenty goals a game were given up to um, to bring that down to just um, eight goals, I think, or nine. Um, yeah, nine goals. Um, in the end, uh, was, was a is you know was a plus point for our for what we're doing this week. Um, against Sydney, you know with a, who again a decent forward line. Um, we kept them, and that's the, that's where it was. You know the scrappiness we brought Sydney down to our level a little bit. Um, you know, S- Franklin didn't get a goal. Logan McDonald only got one, I think. You know, Papley got one or two. Papley was probably the most you know looked the most dangerous. Um, across the game, especially early, but kind of we, we were able to lock in on that a little bit late. But um, you know, there was it was more they were getting goals from you know there just wasn't a consistent um avenue to goal for Sydney really despite the uh despite the talent they do have down there, which is a credit to our defence and you know, it's a credit to, you know, Mackenzie was one of the best in the day for me and um, you know, one of a group of, of the best and what you know, it's a, one of those days where you don't have the outlet outright, you know, I guess you know you're not, you're not talking about a, you know, the 39 disposal absolutely masterclass of performance from a midfielder or anything like that. You're just talking about guys that that knuckled down and did the job. And you know, Mackenzie coming in, um, just seems great for our structure down there. I know some you know people when we play him one on one or he takes on the big forward and he, he often plays above his size and stuff like that. And I actually think he does it right. But you know, so he, he is one of those players. that's a little bit polarizing at times depending on how he, how he's utilized, but. In this kind of game where he's he's his skills and he's is he's, he's a little bit more agile and sometimes he's given credit for and all that kind of stuff, um you know he had that little late in the game where he was up on the wing and kind of sidestepped a few players and was able to get the ball in. I think that was the one for the Marshall goal, um or the Marshall free kick that ended up in a goal. Um, you know it, between him, you know Alier seemed more Alier just seems more assured. There seems to be a little bit of a tandem between Alier and McKenzie and then everyone else down there um, as to what they can do. Um just with the structure of the defense, and, and they seemed to kind of take that, you know, once once the game got settled in a little bit, um, it seemed to start rising, and Aliyah was able to do what he does best and, and intercept and cut off lines of supply, and, and uh, you know, that was just kind of where it was, uh, you know, where it was, I mean, before we even get to the end of the game, but, um, you know, this is one of those games that, you make your own luck, you know. We were talking about it being a lucky win, um, but there's a certain a certain aspect of it is that you know you don't get lucky without doing something to to get you to that point. Um, you know, we're we're in a little bit of a flux point, and whether or not Ken will be the coach for the long term, um, you know, it still seems like it's unlikely unless there's a massive turnaround this season. Um, there is a flux point for us, but you know. To battle away and get the win the way we did shows that there's still you know there's there's something to build on there. Um, there was a little bit of heart in all sorts of different places, you know, players that were putting everything on the line. Um, you know, we'll look at Charlie Dixon and you know that free kick he gave away. We can talk about the umpiring, but um, that free kick he gave away, you know, it's there. I get, but then I, I sit there and go. At the end of a game that's been tough on the legs, you know, Dixon didn't miss him. You know, it looks like he misses him by a lot, but when you take into account, you know, it looked like a lazy kick. And, you know, we, we, we all make fun of Dixon at times when he's kicking for goal and, you know, kicking three goals through against Brisbane. You know, the the, the, the uh, sarcastic sitting me would say, well, what do you expect him to do? You know, he's not always hitting targets. So, um, But unfortunately, that was an unfortunate free kick and almost ended up being... Uh, decisive, but then what does he go and do? He goes and, um, takes the next center bounce and absolutely just manhandles his way through. He takes the ball, bustles his way through, just pushing, you know, basically in that moment, it kind of like Dixon had that ang- angry, you know, super Saiyan kind of response where he was just like, no, one's getting in my way. No, anyone that gets in my way is getting bustled out of the way. And he was able to get through and, and put the goal, the kick into it. And, and it was a deep entry as well. The commentators even made a made a point um, towards the end there that you know Port start need, start, need to start getting more decisive entries, um, you know you know sh- deeper entries that are actually giving us a chance rather than the shallow entries because what was happening in that last quarter in the middle was we were just we were, we were turning we were, we were trying to kick the ball inboard but there was just such shallow entries it weren't even they were just it was turning over immediately and then because we were all pushing forward Sydney were quickly able to transition and, and get the ball down and, and have a shot on goal so. What we did late there, and certainly with that that Dixon kick, was he just took it out of the middle and and put it in deep, and gave our you know the people around the smalls around you know if it didn't get marked, gave the smalls a chance to get onto the ball at a point where they could um, make an impact because it was deep in the forward line, they could either get a handball off or as as Derzma did, get a kick off um, for Finlayson to take a mark in a in a you know prime goal scoring spot. So you know it was a little bit of it was a lot of making your own luck. There was some bad luck in the game, but then we we kind of. You know, took the game on and, and made our luck in what was a scrappy game and one that wasn't, you know, wasn't pretty on the eye. Um, the end of it was incredible. Like the last probably seven minutes, I think, once Marshall kicks the goal and we storm back and then they get a goal and everything. That's that, you know, that little portion is, is fun football to watch, but most of the game wasn't. Um, so, yeah, there's that part of it. We also have to say there was some, we, again, um, we all look at the, and I'll talk about the end of the game the great ending of the game in a moment um, but we have to look at what led to that and it was it was again bad kind of bad disjointed what is it what are we doing in these moments kind of football from Port Adelaide in the sense that when we kick the ball and I know this is modern football so I'm not actually criticizing the kicking the ball into an empty forward line it's what you do you gaining territory you know it's kind of like a rugby you know kicking for touch or you know you, you're trying to just put the ball into the forward 50, take a few seconds off the clock because the players don't know exactly how much time is to go. So, you know, they could have kicked it forward and if it was only 20 seconds ago. Um, you know, the, the siren goes and we're not even talking about the florent kick, but because they don't know how much time is on the clock, they also need to recognize that they need, still need to structure up and make sure the ball's not going to come straight back and... It was frustrating to see when we, we've pulled everyone out of the forward line and we're all behind. Basically, we're all in the last two thirds of the ground. Um, that whoever I can't remember who gathers the ball in our forward fifty, but they get it in, you know, get it straight, and they go straight down the middle. And there's a free open Sydney player. I can't, again, I can't remember who it was exactly in the middle of the ground who's able to take a mark uncontested, and then he's able to turn around and run and and put the ball in his boot and then get it to Florent, who's fairly, relatively uncontested and and open in the, um, you know. At the 45 to 50 metre mark, but still, it's a spot where he's able to take a shot for goal. And that entire like process there was a failure for Port Adelaide. Um, so we, again, this is where we got lucky. Um, we made our own luck because we got ourselves into a scrappy game and got ourselves into that position where the guy was taking a shot for goal that wasn't a given, um, despite his talent um, and he's a good kick. And as we saw, it was a good kick, it just didn't have the legs. Um, but, you know, that, that process, you know, we, we look at the good and the, and the great endings of that game and, you know, we get a great ending because of our own failures, ironically, in that moment because we shouldn't have allowed that ball to actually get to that point. You know, when whoever's in the forward 50 and um, our forward 50, the Sydney player that gathers it, um, he gathers that ball and he gets it on his boot. And I watched, the, watched just that highlight again this morning. I think it's 37 seconds on the clock when he's taking that kick inside our forward 50, so his defensive 50, At that point, we should just be—you know—there shouldn't have just been that many open players for it to be able to quickly move down the field and and get it in position for a comfortable mark, take a goal, a shot on the goal to essentially win it after the siren. That shouldn't happen. So that's something we have to look at as well. You know, the process that led to what was a memorable finish was (laughs) was just something that we shouldn't have allowed to happen, but it did happen. Um, And you know, it's a kick that—you know—what are we talking about if? That kick goes through, we're talking about an, you know, an honourable loss, I guess, maybe. But again, a loss and a, and a failure in the system. And that's why we've got to look at it. It's great. It shows the heart and desire of the players. But we've also got to look that we did get lucky in this one. But that does takes nothing away from the, the happiness of it. You've got to enjoy these ones as well, because sports is just like this. We have You have games that just go differently or just, you know that's what the magic of sports is, is that the unexpected things happen. That's why we enjoy it as a dr- you know, as sports fans, we enjoy watching it because we never quite know what is going to happen. You know, we, we've we we've been on the end of, you know, unfortunately, if you look at it, you know, objectively, you look at Crows fans last week, didn't expect to beat us. And then they get us, get you know, get us comfortably in the end and they've enjoyed it. And then we go up to Sydney, probably not expecting to win. And, and we win um, in what was incredibly memorable fashion. And it was beautiful. It was such a poetic end the fact that it's Aaliyah the former Sydney player that um, you know left and came down and had an all Australian season with us and has been an incredible part of our side since spoils it on the line um, especially after you know and you know the Sydney players are all celebrating already because they know Florence good kick and he puts it on the boot and it and it looks good it Is it is the exact almost the exact view of the Buddy Franklin goal for the thousandth goal right down to the person that's standing up and getting in the way of the camera which is insane I don't know how Sydney, uh, the AFL and Sydney haven't figured out a better spot to put the camera where a shot on goal like that is going to be not going to be obscured by a fan. Um, but I guess the sightlines at a historic stadium might be difficult. I don't know. Anyway, um, but it was a beautiful. I, I was on the. It was you know five thirty in the morning around when that game was finishing here. I think or maybe a bit before. Um, try, I was trying to be quiet and watch it without waking up the house. But it was. It's a incredible finish to a game and and. You know, just shows playing the ball um, right to the last whistle. Like I, I criticised, I think Burton in the Collingwood game in a couple of, in my review last week of not playing the whistle and playing the game on its merit on on what's going on. Um, you know, and not making a tackle in that uh, dacos Pendlebury handball sequence that ended up in the Dacos goal. Um, you know, Sydney started celebrating before the game was finished and port you know and and the player you know to you know port, some of the port players you know Dersman went down on his hands and knees and didn't realize that the players were celebrating for a few seconds after um and certainly some of the port players that were standing there and even Leah said and i think it was Leah and Dixon both said they just they looked up and thought it was going through but then just saw and Leah said it and Dixon said they saw just saw it start to die and that was uh, the conditions were a bit blustery and all that stuff and you know Leah just said he saw it start to die off a little bit and just thought oh no i'm going to take a run at this and that's playing the game right down to the last whistle, you know. Then you know, you see in that that, un, that unfortunate from the Sydney side uh, goalpost vision of, you know, Callum Mills taking off and celebrating. And, and whether he would have been out of effect, Aaliyah too much, because Aaliyah would have just come, come over the top, I don't know. Um, the ball was dying pretty well. Um, so it was that comfortable height for Aaliyah to spoil and who, who else was coming through. Uh, so whether Mills makes an impact there, I don't know. Um, but certainly it made it a lot easier for a leader running because he just ran into just open space there basically to make the spoil and you know it's poetic. It's 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 an incredible highlight to watch. It's going to be one of those ones that goes into our little pantheon of those great port finishes, whether it be the you know the Motlock goal in the showdown or the Montfries that's gone at right angles. Um, you know Jared Poulton up there all those years ago in Sydney as well. You know there's there's a pantheon of little uh, you know port highlights we always love to go back to, and this is one of those ones that's entering that, which is. Just a wonderful thing, you know. Sports, we we play this, and as fans, we watch this, and as players, they play it for the ultimate goal. It's premiership glory and all that stuff. But you've got to bear and enjoy the the little wins across the ride as well, because otherwise, it's just not going to be that much fun. So you enjoy these ones, you know. You you watch them back, and you know it's not going to be a, the entirety of the game. Isn't going to be a fun one to watch back too often, but. You know, a little highlights package of this game is going to be one that I'll regular. I have those ones. I just sit there and if I'm having a few beers and thinking about port, you know, I have you have those games where you go back and watch some highlights of regularly to you know beyond the grand finals and all that stuff. You just have those regular season games you remember and enjoy taking yourself back to the, that moment and and remembering how it felt. And this is going to be one of those ones because um, I'll remember exactly where I was. Um, you know, watching it an odd hour for us over here in LA and 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 just and just being breathless on the couch after thinking and I was almost falling to my knees thinking we'd lost it after just fighting so hard to get back into the game twice um and then it ultimately ends up a win so I was even in that in of itself is just such a wild thing to watch two teams celebrate basically simultaneously almost because the poor players started celebrating while Florent and whoever else came off the bench were still celebrating on the ground hugging each other and then they realised that the Port players are celebrating so it was two teams celebrating basically at the same time and it was just an incredible thing to witness and you're not going to see something like that too often and I'm not going to say it'll never happen again because you never say that in sports because who knows um, but it's certainly something that's going to be in- increasingly you know I've never seen it before and it's gonna, certainly going to be something that's very rare so yeah it's a it's a moment in time that we'll remember and, and and an incredible win and like I said it was a response and that's what we were looking for so There's that. Um, I'll take a quick break here and i get into some of just a few few of the players that really, really kind of impressed me and there's a few performances that really stand out as uh, going forward to keep watching. First of all, we're going to talk about uh, Jeremy Finlayson. Um, Incredible game for him. Uh, He, beyond, you know, he kicks three goals and in what is a low scoring game is a really good effort. You know, clearly the best of the forwards from either side of the, of the, of the game there. But, um, you know he was number one for port and fantasy points, which you know forwards sometimes you know, it's a tough game to play in that sense. But he you know he had you know had 18 disposals, eight marks, and the, and the three goals. He was just he was just everywhere, and um you know you know taking a couple of rucks, but not too many. But he just it's the kind of game. And you know I know there is some commentary about whether, the appropriateness of what um, I think it was Jude Bolton in the post game asking you know Finlayson about his personal life. And yeah, I agree it's probably not the right time. Um, so yeah, I certainly agree with those sentiments but he handled it really well and it gave us an insight into kind of what he's battling you know we you know you don't need to really think about it too much to know how much it's a battle for him and his family at the moment and kelly and soph but um you know he handled it with um just perfect grace and and love you know just saying how much he loves them and and whatever and and when you hand see how much that is clearly affecting because um, he it gives you that real insight into that um not that we need to see it um you know that's family life and stuff like that. But it does give you a greater appreciation, I guess, for how much he is, you know, the the level he's performing at with that going on um, just shows probably the importance of footy family as well. And um, I, certainly it's been alluded to by, you know, Hinkley and co as well as it's like, you know, footy is such an important part for play. You know, football started as community, you know, all sports clubs around the world, in the history of this any game they started as clubs and community clubs you know a sporting community for people to come together and play sports but be part of a community as well and you know Port Adelaide certainly as a club is is history as that um and it just shows the importance of that family and the and the support at at a football club and the good you know we've there's been so much talk about some of the negative aspects of Port the last couple of weeks and and certainly some of that's very valid but you know you've got to look at the positives as well and and the clearly the support network's there and and is allowing him to play at a at a level that he's you know that he can play at and, and with incredible talent and 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 a key part of our side and be part of it a key part of that side while that's going on just shows the support and love that's there so you've got to take that as as a positive of where the club's at as well um you know i know people will there's some people out there that'll t- tell me that I'm being you know, an apologist because I'm just merely trying to say something positive about the club. You know, you can criticize and be positive at the same time, and that's part of supporting. Um but certainly he had a, you know, fantastic game and kicked um important goals at important times too. Um, you know that one of those goals came from a free kick, at the, the fifty metre, which is, you know, one of many, you know, questionable calls on but for both sides in that game, but um, you know, technically there, but you know, it's one of those ones that you just go sometimes umpires need to see the run of the game, I guess, I don't know. But, you know, that, that last goal, the amount of pressure that's on you when you've just given up the lead and the ball's come in, and he's taken the kick around the corner as well, which I know there's questions about, the, you know, that tactic over that's developed over the last three to five years. Um, but, you know, he kicked it, and that's pressure. And, and, and one of the ultimate pressure moments in any sport is taking a taking a kick or a pitch or whatever it is, whatever sport you're playing, um, at a crucial moment, in the game when the game is you know late and you know it's the it's the kick that could potentially win the game and ultimately did. Um, you know that's incredible pressure and with everything going on in his life. Um, that's just just incredible for him. And um, you know he's going to be. see so he stays fit, he's going to be a key part of our side for a few years yet. So really happy to have him here. And um, and he certainly played um, obviously with the ranking points number one in our side for the day. Um, but he certainly played a key role and, and will continue to, and, and we're just lucky to have him and lucky to have his family at Port Adelaide as well. Um, another one, obviously I've talked about Alir Alir, um, but, uh, you know, he had a fantastic game and just one of those games that just makes you, makes you happy that Alir's part of our side. Um, so I've talked about him as well. Um, I did mention Dixon briefly before, thought his role was really interesting this game. You know, it took a few, center, you know, obviously that center clearance that, um, ultimately ended up in the Jeremy Finlayson, um, Goal was incredible, but you know he had a, he had. A, I was looking at his stats, and he had 15 disposals, 12 of them were handballs. You know, just what Dixon does. You know, some Dixon's just one of those scapegoat players. A lot um, when things aren't going well, and he misses. He just has to miss a couple of goals for people to start complaining again. But the kind of sacrifice role he's played at times over in his port career, where it would be taking you know the ruck ruck contests as he as he did a few times in this game, um, especially late on when you know Lysa I thought started pretty well but kind of just his body just I don't know if he can't run out a game I am not not sure but um, you know Dixon sacrifices his body and and his role and kind of you know the old you know the ultimate thing you want Dixon doing is just clunking marks in the four fifty and kicking goals every week but he. He moves up the ground. He takes the rock contest, and in in a game like this that was scrappy, and he couldn't affect the game in the way he wanted to with getting consistent opportunities for kicks on goal. You know, he's he's sacrificing his body and getting into the contest and getting dishing handballs. You know, that's pretty much what he did all day. So, you know, it was an incredible game from him. It was underrated, um, but just one of those games that kind of shows that. You know, I'm a Dix I I love Dixon. So I'm you know some people say I'm apologist for Dixon, but I just think he plays so many different roles in our side that just don't get highlighted enough, um, and he deserves a little bit more, you know, respect for his game than he does get get at times. Um, certainly, opposition fans just like to give you sh- give him shit, and you know that's what opposition fans will do. But our fans need to kind of take a bit more of an appreciation for just the roles he plays at times and you know, it sucks that we have to put him in those positions depending on injuries or balance, matchups or balance or whatever else, but he does it and, and does it without complaining, you know? So, yeah. And, you know, a center clearance, at, a center bounce and take and contest and clearance that, um, wins the game and just the fashion he did it, uh, just shows that, you know, when he's at his fittest, I know he's had his injury troubles over the years, but he's had some pretty good years for us as well. You know, he's had all Australian New years and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, at his best, what he can do is... He's far more versatile than we give him credit for at times. Um, Another one, and again, I'm really pleased with this one. um, Because it's been a tough couple of years for Xavier Dersmer. And to see him play the way he did. And and I've been seeing it, I think, week one against Brisbane. He looked just better already. But this one was really, I think, probably... I reckon his best game for us for a few years. Um, He looked... The thing with like when he came back from injury, the injury, the injuries troubles he had last year, and his back in the side, and then he got dropped. He just he looked like he knew he didn't. He, there was still some fitness to gain. He looked like he knew he couldn't run the way he wants to run. So it gave his confidence a massive hit because he couldn't. He he knew internally, and I think the Dursma family, you know anything about, incredibly smart and well-read kind of people. Like you know, just know that he's got that in a monologue of knowing exactly where he's at, and um, I think he. You could see that last year, and there's nothing against him. He had that self-recognition to know his body wasn't where it needed to be, and he's trying to get it back. Get it back. Maybe he was forcing it. I don't know, but you know, he just couldn't. He knew that he wasn't there last last year. Whereas as soon as even the Brisbane game, he could just see the run was back in his leg, the power was there. He'd gotten past that mental block of knowing the injury was still niggling at him. You know, he's, he was still in the recovery period. Now he's at the point that he's, um. He's fit, and he knows it, and you can just see that run, and the way he puts his head down and moves and runs is without restri- without mental restriction, and you can just see how much he adds to the game, and, you know, I think he had... I can't remember how many disposals he had, but um, just an incredible... He just over—I think it was like 22 or something like that. But it, you just, um, and I think he just—and the thing is—I looked at his ranking points. He was second the, behind Finlayson. He was the second highest ranking. I think he had 86 fantasy points or something like that. You know, again in a scrappy game um, for a guy playing out, like, you know, on the outside and stuff like that. That's a really good result. You know, and you could see he was key. And and there was a few times, you know, in those defensive little battles we had in the, you know, kind of like in the high high half forward area. Um, you could see, you know, he was in there, and he, and he was able to burst out of the pack and get a kick forward, and and all that kind of stuff. He was just, he was incredible, and and obviously, um, he was able to get that just got just getting that hand on the ball that he he snapped um for a nice fifteen meter legal kick uh, inboard to Finlayson for that for that um mark and goal uh, to win the game in the end was just um kind of summed up kind of. the where he's at again, he's just he's just got that confidence in his running ability and his ability to break lines and generate just generate offense in, in a game like that was really important. So it's great to see um, Dersmer back, kind of at his best in that sense. Um, you know, Butters, again, I think one of his better... And, you know, Butters and Dersmer are, are very similar kind of stories over the last year. You know, there's been injuries. You know, Butters, I think ever since that syndesmosis against Richmond back in 2021. I don't think he's... Because he started that 2021 season just on fire. I think he had, what, 36 disposals against Essendon earlier that year, and we were all talking about Butters. You know, he's really putting together a resume to finally get... You know, he's in the All-Australian 40 in 2020. Is he going to be... Is he going to break into the... And then he gets that syndesmosis injury, and just ever since then, he's been... And then he had the knee, I think, as well. And it's just been in and out and just trying to find his form again. This one, I think, 27 disposals... um looked confident in his body again, kind of like Derzimer. He's just been looking better and confident. I think the one thing about us is we're still trying to get that midfield mix and the, the percentage of midfield time and share it in time in the midfield between that and the high half forward role and all that kind of stuff. We're still kind of figuring that out, but he certainly made his presence known when he was in the midfield. He was, he was getting you know, was getting the ball from the tap and getting and getting clearances. And uh, And one thing I've always been impressed by and – I think I've said it before on the podcast in one, of the part, in one of the past couple of years when he's kicked a goal like this. But his ability to get the ball from... Like, to take the ball in his hands and then get it on the boot for a shot at goal and a goal. It's kind of like when you have those, you know, quarterbacks in the in NFL that can just release the ball quickly um, with with effect. Part his ability to just get the ball on the boot quickly um, and for that goal and in that run that when we make our first comeback... Um, was incredible and i just i've always been impressed by that i think he had the goal i think it was um i've got the image in my head i think it was winning the indigenous kit in 2021 no it was 2020 against hawthorne and it was what the goal that kind of seals the game and what was a scrappy game as well and he he just gathers it, and he just gets on the boot quick you know if you find a highlight reel of Butters' goals you'll see a lot of just those ones where it's you know it was obviously set shots and goals on the run and stuff like that but the ones where he has to gather and get it on the ball quick, whether it's out of a, a scrappy, you know, a, a you know, a, a ball up in the forward Fifty, or just one that comes to ground, and he can get it on. You just, it's just one of the things that you notice every time he gets one like that. Is just like you start thinking, I don't know if I've seen someone get the ball to ball to boot that quick for an effective kick on goal. Um, so yeah, and a really good in, in you know moment for him, and uh, it just kind of was a nice highlight for what was a well rounded game. Um, and one that he, you know, was able to get plenty of hands on the ball. Um, a few other honourable mentions, I guess. Um, you know, similar to Dersmer, I know Bergman. I've I've been enjoying what he's doing um, as well. But you know, the one that's come in, and I know we had plenty of uh, commentary around the uh, selections this week, and it was we were perplexed. I was perplexed, and I'm happy to hold my hand up and say I'm wrong because. You know, clearly uh, they worked <laughs> Dylan Williams so I haven't seen much of, obviously being over here I haven't seen much of um what the the SNFL team's been doing unfortunately um and certainly I haven't seen much of Dylan Williams over the past 6 months but I remember when he came into the site I mean I was at I think I think he played we put the Magpies played Norwood and he kicked five or six goals at a game in 2021 and then he came into the our AFL side a week or two later I think when Robbie was maybe injured or right one of the two um. And uh, you know he, he struggled, but then he's been redeployed down defence, which I, I you know. And you can see he's assured. Um, there's a maturity to his game that maybe wasn't even quite there, but you know it's it's a, a change of position as well, and it's. And I got to hand it to him. It's he, he was. He was an important. We don't win that game without what he does down there. So that's um, you know taking some uh, some decent marks and and using the ball well out of there in a the game that we weren't using the ball super well at times. He was one of the better users. So you know got to give credit to you know credit to Ken the coaches that they recognise that and it's something that we you know me as a fan that's sitting from afar you know that's why I always preface you know will you know, preface this always it's just opinion because you know I don't I don't know everything of what's going on in the, what they're seeing so. That was an you know, inspired selection for a game that we were looking for a bit of a difference a point of difference in our defence after a couple of weeks that had been rough. So and with the guys that we're missing, you know, Burton's gonna be coming back in and, and so there's gonna be some changes again. But um, you know, he's put his hand up to be to be a player that can come in and be really effective, um, in especially in a game like that. So the last one I'd love to give a little some shout outs to. I don't know there's gonna be some I've missed, but you know, it's just the ones that I stood out to me. Um Darcy Ben-Jones coming on as the sub, change the game. Um, he gets a couple of, you know, gets important, but, you know, he, he centers that one um, that comes from... Uh, to, to Rosie, who, you know, should take a mark, but he's, he's being held, so he gets a free kick. Um, there's one, another one that comes inbound to... Um, you know, he he had five five disposals, five kicks, and, and I think a couple of them were, you know, they were all ones that were coming. He was putting pressure on, on the defensive 50 for Sydney, and, and ultimately, you know he comes on and the game basically turns. So what that means for his future, I don't, cause I know his defense is, he's a defensive player and across half back, and he hasn't had the greatest couple of years since he's all Australian and, and, and uh, best and fairest win. Um, so where is You know, hopefully maybe this is going to be a world wake up call. And, you know, I know a lot of people were saying, you know, what's the point of dropping him if he's not going to go down and play for the magpies and, you know, find out a bit about his game again. Um, you know, that's a valid question as well, but he certainly came in, and, and just for the isolated point of talking about this game, he, he had an effect and was um, an important part of our win and our run late in the game that ultimately helps us win the game. So, you know, I've got to give him, you know, we can criticize, and I, and I have, and I've said that he's, his dropping was warranted because of the last couple of years of form, but, you know, you've also got a credit where it's due, and then he came on and, and you know, he, there wasn't like a... I don't give a shit, you know. This attitude of why was I dropped and whatnot. He came on and tried and actually made a real impact and showed that he um, he still has some something to give. It's just we've just got to find. He's got to find his form either, you know, across halfback and 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 find that player that he was a couple of years ago. But certainly in this isolated time where he could have had limited time on the field and um, could put all his efforts into what he was doing, um, he absolutely had an effect and and I was really impressed with that. So, you know. You just got to give it, give the credit where it's due. All righty, we'll finish off on this because I didn't want to get into it too much in the middle. So, um, the umpiring was um, perplexing, and I, I've said it earlier, but it went both ways. You know, the Finlayson um, tackle on uh, Laddams was you know we've gotten that two weeks in a row with this power pepper one in the showdown last week as well. I would be mad if it went against us, so I have to. Call it the other way and say it's it's we're getting lucky with a couple of those ones. Um, the Dan Houston one was incredible. I, you know, I think the AFL's come out and ticked off both that one and the and the Mead goal, which you know quotation marks goal. We'll get to that. But um, if the AFL's cracking down on on the deliver or the, or the rushed un, you know pressured rush behinds and all that stuff, then they need to put that. And it needs to be an official statement about what the parameters are before the week or whatever. If they've just decided they're going to start cracking down on it more um, and that's a response to an umpire making a decision on the day, and that's just poor you know, officiating and management from the, uh, the AFL house as well to just be like, oh, yeah, no, we're cracking down on that now. I I don't know if that's actually... I just got that impression from what Davies said in Port Adelaide's response to the AFL response. Um, you know, and I think I heard the AFL... The umpire on the day saying something about you know you, you know he was within three to five meters and it's pressure but will he what he was it was only a couple of meters away, yeah. Houston kind of just but he Houston's op- options were jog over that line or try to take the player on and possibly you know get tackled because even if he goes to kick the ball from where he is it's there's a likely smother, um, or he gets tackled. You know the player was close enough he can affect a kick. Or get a tackle on if Houston tries to break through. So that's by definition under pressure to me. So doesn't make sense. And the AFL decides to tick it off and say, "Oh, we're doing this." And you know, um, you know, they got it right. Um, and then you know, there's, it's official that there was a technical failure in the in the re, the um, review of the Jackson Mead goal. But even the, the vision I was seeing on the TV was that it was over the line before the player's hand maybe touched and I don't think it. I don't think it did. But it was over the line either way. So, I don't understand, it looked like a goal, the commentators were saying it was a goal, everyone, you know, watching was saying it was a goal, and you saw journalists and ones that I know are not sympathetic to Port Adelaide saying that was that was ridiculous, um, both on the Houston one and the goal. So, it's just one of those games where you just, get, what what is the AFL doing? If we're going to have this stuff be a part of it, then it needs to be a lot better handled. You know, all the money they're getting from TV rights and stuff like that, and you know, we can get into the commentating from a bunker in Melbourne stuff as well, but um, they've got to be better than this. They've got to develop the technology or um, and make sure it works. or um, And just, it seems like the goal umpires are relying on it too much. And get you know, umpires' call is just is, is a part of all sports. Um, but, you know, it's still disappointing to see us just, and, you know, luckily we got a goal back quickly after that and the, the power paper one had also got reviewed and luckily... The umpire called that one a goal and it's quite clear in replay as well. But, you know, if we had, if that Jackson Mead will not have been called, you know, the way it, well, it was called a point uh, despite it looking like a goal um, and then Sydney gone right back down and gotten another goal or something like that and suddenly we're five goals down we should have just been three goals down. It would have been it would have been a real kick in the nuts. And luckily we it, we didn't let us affect us. And again, that's a compliment to us that we don't, you know, don't sink it, you know, get frustrated and just keep playing the game on its merits and whatever is being put in front of us. But, you know, it is uh, one of those ones that uh, just really made you scratch your head. And, and there was a lot of people saying, you know, even Hinckley said, you know, seen the Houston kind of, the Houston play a hundred times in the AFL and never seen it get paid. Um, I love Chris Davies coming out and giving a little, you know, sarcastic clip to the uh, the AFL, you know, saying oh, well, it's great for the AFL. They seem to be getting a lot right, you know, because they're saying they're right. So it's just, it's ridiculous. Isn't it? And it's one of those things that when you see the dissent rule come in last year, and, you know, there was certainly the, the talk about that descent call in the Carlton GWS game last week. Um, you know, if they want, uh, you know, umpire respect, they've got to at least make sure the game is officiated far more clearly and uh, less frustrating because, you know, the fans booing and, and you know, frustration on the sidelines as well as from players is going to continue when the game is officiated so badly so um yeah that's a bit of a negative way to finish it but ultimately won, so that's the main thing and um I did say uh it was funny um you know that goal umpire that we had all that trouble with with the couple of reviews and everything and I think there was another one in third or last quarter uh he was the goal umpire that was there on that um on that kick from Florent and that Aaliyah spoiled and he he called it as he, he called it definitively at that point. So it's um, I tweeted sometime during the game. Um, I'm sick of that goal umpire. You know, get him off to Siberia. Don't just don't want to see him again. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of target. You know, I'm not clearly um, you know literally calling for that. I just was frustrated with how it was going. But you know, ironically, he ends up being um, the one that makes a definitive call at the end of the day, end of the game, rather than it going to a review or anything like that. And you know, we we would have been vindicated comfortably on a review but um it was a game that uh you know it was uh, somewhat ironic that uh he he ended up making that call But so you know what a mem- memorable win that's the way to finish it off you know we'll finish off positive again and a, a memorable win it wasn't memorable in the, a lot of the gameplay you certainly if you go back and watch it you realize just how bad we, badly we started um we came back and then we had a little rough period again in the end of the third quarter and into the fourth, but. You know, both times, you know, it's come as and again credit to Hingley when he says stuff. I'm, I will always give him credit when he when he says the right thing and and all that stuff. But um, he, uh, you know, he called it. He said, you know, we came back from twenty points down twice. That takes a lot of character, and it does. You know, they're it, very, very. You know, we've seen bad, bad teams across the years that once they get down, they just get blown out by sixty, seventy points regularly. You know, those bottom bottom teams over the years. So you know. You've got to give the credit to Port for that. In that context, that we are, but we are better than th- that kind of team. So we need to be having those kind of responses, and we need to see that more often. The big test will be this week, um, backing up the emotional response game again in, in a home game against the Bulldogs, who are in you know started rough, but they're in decent form, and you've got Bottom Pe- 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 Pelly playing brilliant football. So yeah, that'll be the response. One thing I've completely forgotten about until this v- point right now is um, Hinkley from the bench. That was, um, you know in of itself was a response I think you know they were trying to change things up um you know whether it was discussions midweek I think I heard that it was midweek that they decided on that just to see the game from a different point of view to be able to engage with the players a little bit more um and make sure his messaging is direct you know and you know I think I heard um Jennifer say on the radio this week um or just last night actually um that uh you know there's a different pre- when you're in the coaching coach's box you can sometimes let the pressure get to you because you're kind of in that pressure cooker environment of the box and you're not down there you, you sometimes get a little bit more frustrated and and nervous and and reactionary up there sometimes because you're not directly down there but when you can be down there your message comes across direct you're not you know it's face-to-face you can get all that there's just a different it's, it's communication you know face-to-face communication is very different than than phone calls or whatever and you know podcasts or whatever so that was an An interesting response after 10 years of coaching from Hinkley to take that step for the first time um, was, uh, you know, I commend that. I commend the the change. He was also drinking Pepsi Max instead of Coke Zero, so that's another change as well. Um, So, you know, get a case of Pepsi Max. Um, I hear a friend of the pod, Jamie, has one available. And uh, sit there on the bench at Adelaide Oval this week as well. Who knows, you know, he said it was a situational thing. He even mentioned the way the box... the The vantage point of the box, and sometimes the view sight lines from the box, and at the SCG, sometimes make it a bit difficult there as well. So, but you know, he's he's won a couple of games at the SCG, maybe only one. Anyways, won at the SCG before um, without doing it, so you know, and that was a lot more comfortable than this one. So, you know, he tries something different, and it worked. And you know, he was down there in the first quarter when it was pretty bad as well, but you know, the response was there, and he was able. And a couple of discussions that the the via goes to. Him talking to Bergman at one point, and you could see they're really animated, but like animated in a constructive way. Um, and then I saw another one with Cain, I think it was Kane Farrell. I haven't watched the full game back yet; I haven't had time. i just watched the twenty-minute little, um, you know, mini a couple of times since. Um, but yeah, I think it was Kane Farrell as well. It was on the sidelines again, animated. You can see some kind of shakes, you know, shakes of the head, but it was in a, in a constructive way, kind of like, yeah, no, I didn't. I know that didn't work, but yeah, okay, what are you telling me, Coach? What's going on here? All right, yeah, getting the message gotcha reading you and you could just see that it was like a both the both the player and the coach got something out of that kind of messaging and direct interaction so it'll be interesting to see i think he's even said you know he said in the game press conference that he joked that he's not going to be allowed back up there again um it would be interesting to see if he goes a bit of 50 50 this week if he does just decide to have a crack at you know it would be his first time trying it at adelaide oval um to see if it works um Whatever it is, I just want to make sure they have a plan for it, not just go down there and then oh, I'll go back. Well, who knows? But, you know, it was really good to see. Again, you know, it's been a tough week last week leading into this game. Um, a lot of questions and stuff, and you could see both response from the players on the field, but, you know, there was a response from the coaching as well. They tried something different, and, and it worked, and it had an effect. Again, we get. Uh, I said we got lucky a little bit, um, but as we said, we met, you make your own luck, and... Um, at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win is a win, and uh, we got the four points, and we steadied the ship a little bit this season, and if you know, again, the response will be this week. I said it after the Brisbane game, I want to see how we back up a result like this, and again, um, that one didn't go, the backup wasn't there, but at least we're coming home this week um, in, a, in what is a big, big week for South Australian footy as a whole, um, and, and the AFL trying something new. Um, and it'll be good to see us keep trying some new things and, and, and get a response and, and back up a win. We haven't had, you know, back-to-back wins this year yet. Um, might as well start it this week and get to three and two. So, but yeah, a, a great win, uh, memorable for uh, many reasons up there in Sydney. And, and you just got to take, as I said, somewhere in the middle of this podcast, you know, remember that, you know, we can't always, we're not winning premierships every week, but we can win, we can win games throughout the season and have them be good memories and part of the journey of being a football fan as well. So enjoy it. Uh, go back and watch that Illyria highlight another 100 or 200 times and um, and get ready for this week's game. All right, keep an eye out for a couple more pods uh, dropping on the feed as well. And as always, can the pair.